Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. It's time for Come and Talk It with your host, Michael Cargill, brought to you by Texas Law Shield. Over the last decade, Michael has championed and supported the rights of law-abiding Texans to own and use firearms. He is the owner of Central Texas Gunworks, a veteran of the United States Army, and has achieved national exposure in such prestigious media outlets such as Forbes Magazine, Fox Business News, CNN Money, AOL, BBC World News, Huffington Post, and the New York Times. Cargill vigorously defends lawful gun ownership in this country without regard to party politics. And now, here's Michael Cargill. Yeah, this is when you always hear that TV news awful cliche, he turned the tables, right? Well, a lot of viewers always remind us that he turned it for the good, right? So here is the first scene. We had three different scenes here. And this, let me remind you, is after two o'clock in the afternoon, right across from Fairmount Park, right as people are outside. So there's witnesses at all the scenes. And it's hard to believe that this is the brazenness of these carjackers and these two guys in the 20s intentionally rear end this infinity. That's the thing that's happening right now. They bump you to make you stop and get out. And they do it right in front of people, so they don't even care. And this infinity driver has a woman passenger in his back seat, and it takes two bumps for him to say, hey, what's going on? And when he gets out, the passenger in a Honda gets out with an automatic rifle and points it at him, again, in front of witnesses. And he gets out with his hands up and says, hey, you can have my car, but let me get this lady out. I'm a Lyft driver. Let me get her out because you don't want to take her and have a kidnapping. So they let him get her out of there. And then he waits for the carjacker to get into his car. Then he pulls his gun and he has a concealed carry permit because you would think every Lyft driver and Uber driver who doesn't want to die on the job would have that as well. Here's the second scene. This is where his car ends up just about two blocks away. And look at the bullet holes. He blows the driver through the window through the door handle, through the door frame, hits that guy at least twice in the torso, and that guy stops just three blocks away, right on Parkside Avenue, right at Fairmount Park, and falls out of the driver's side, and people call police thinking, hey, there's a shooting victim here. Meantime, he then turns to the Honda and shoots that driver through the passenger side of that. That guy makes it two blocks in the opposite direction after making a U-turn, and he collapses at Lancaster and 43rd Street. And then some more people call cops there. Meanwhile, he calls the police with his female passenger and witnesses who tell police the whole story. And they realize these two guys that they rushed to the hospital are now not victims, but prisoners. This 38-year-old Lyft driver, after being rear-ended and carjacked, he pulled his weapon 
and fired shots at both vehicles. The vehicle that was stolen from him fired shots at the Honda. The driver who had the getaway car struck both of these individuals and now they're both at the hospital as prisoners. Very dangerous situation. Fortunately, our Lyft driver, our victim, wasn't shot because he had a rifle put to him and our Lyft driver had a weapon that he used and he shot both of the perpetrators. So this case again illustrates why so many delivery drivers, food delivery drivers, pizza drivers, Uber and Lyft drivers are all running the gun stores and getting legal guns uh, because this is what's happening on a daily basis all around the country and a lot of times here in Philadelphia. Bill, the other thing uh, that you may want to get into is the armored car and tank business because I'm sure a lot of delivery drivers and Uber drivers would like to be in a tank with a gun turret to keep themselves safe. And here's the other thing. What are you going to do now? You're driving around and you get rear-ended. Are you supposed to leave the scene of an accident and worry about getting a ticket or have your car damaged by somebody who was maybe on their phone and rear-ended you? Because now the first thought, if you hear stories like this repeatedly, is that, oh my God, I'm getting carjacked. I don't want to stop here even though I've been ran from behind. So that's the other quandary right now. Everybody watching is thinking like, what do I do if I'm rear-ended? Because this is happening right in the middle after the afternoon, like yesterday, right on Parkside. Police had so many witnesses. Good day, Austin, Texas, live music capital of the world. Let's praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. That's right. That's a story out of Philadelphia. That's one of my favorite newscasters. They're talking about a carjacking by a Lyft driver out of Philadelphia. Man, that was a crazy scene, you know, and, and, and my hat's off to the license holder, you know, able to get out of the vehicle, being held at gunpoint by a shotgun by someone trying to steal his vehicle. He said, hey, you know, let me get my passenger out of the vehicle there, gets the passenger out of the vehicle, and then the guy jumps into his vehicle, and boy, he pulls out his concealed handgun, he goes to town. He shoots that guy, he shoots the getaway driver, and man, he eliminated and stopped that threat, and that's how you do it. You know, you want to make sure that everyone else is safe. You want to know what your you know, where your threat is and what's your threat, what's behind that threat, and so you can stop that threat. All right, so good job to that Lyft driver. Unfortunately, he probably got fired, Zach. I'm sure Lyft fired him. Probably, yeah. Yeah, most likely. Yeah, absolutely. Can't be defending yourself. Not, not be a Uber not on Lyft the job. Driver. That's right, yeah. All right, so you got to follow that company policy. So the company may say, hey, you know, Company, you may have a policy against you having a firearm in that vehicle as part of your, you know, contract or condition to work for the company, you know, but it may not be illegal, but they can definitely terminate you or fire you or cancel your contract or, you know, cancel your access to the app. And that's usually what they do when people defend themselves as a Lyft or Uber driver. All right, so today I want to talk about backdoor gun confiscation. It's happening right now in, in just about every U.S. city around this country. That's right. It's a backdoor gun confiscation. What's happening is if you are charged with a crime, you get arrested, you're charged with a crime, like the McCluskeys out of Missouri, and the police department will confiscate your firearm as part of that case. And let's say the, the charges get dropped. You know, maybe you, they're dismissed or, you know, maybe you're found not guilty. Well, guess what? They don't want to give your gun back to you. And there's nothing that forces the police department to give you your gun back. Nothing whatsoever. Did you know that, Zach? Uh, I mean, there should be. There's nothing. That's right. They can keep your gun. They don't have to give it back to you. Uh, so you know, even though you, you weren't, you know, the charges were dropped, you know, or you were found not guilty, 
Uh, they don't have to give your gun back to you. There's nothing even that if forces the charges them. are dropped. There's nothing that forces them to give you your gun back. Nothing. And so McCluskey's are are in this situation where they're trying to get their firearms back, and they're like, "No, we don't want to give them back to you." He had an AR-15. She had a pistol. Right? She had like a yeah, some type of makeshift pistol there. I don't even think it was a working gun, but yeah, she had a revolver or something. Yeah. And so yeah, they're they're saying, "Hey, we don't want to give them back to you. We don't have to give them back." So we'll talk about that backdoor gun confiscation. Also, you know, we're going to have Edwin Walker, principal attorney with Texas U.S. Law Shield. Uh, he's going to talk to us about the Justice Department. There's a new rule out there. And the Justice Department is saying, hey, they're going to impose a safe and secure storage of firearms uh, policy. So we're going to find out what exactly does that mean? You know, what is the Justice Department doing? What is this new rule as far as safe and secure storage of firearms? Uh, is there a punishment associated with this? Well, so we're going to find out from Edwin Walker with Texas U.S. Law Shield. You know, also, I want to talk about, you know, what forms of identification do you need to provide a gun store or licensee when you walk into a gun store to purchase a firearm and you, guess what? Let's say you just moved to Texas and you want to walk into that gun store in Texas. You just moved here. You don't have a Texas driver's license, but you want to be able to purchase a firearm. Can you do that? Is it possible? You know, is it, you know, is it is possible for a long gun, but is it possible for a handgun? We're going to talk about that. What forms of identification must licensee obtain from a transferee of a firearm? Uh, we come back from the break. We're going to talk about that and more. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Folks, this is Doug Man Jones. <laughs> and I get my gun news. From Michael Cargill at Come and Talk It. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Talk 1370. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. All right, so we're back and we're talking today about the backdoor gun confiscation happening now in every U.S. city in this country, where if you're charged, you may be charged with a crime, may be arrested, detained, 
taken to the jail. They arrest you, and maybe charges get dropped, maybe dismissed, maybe you're found not guilty. And you have a firearm, or there's a firearm used, they will confiscate your gun. The local police department will confiscate your firearm and refuse to give it back to you. It happens a lot in this country. It's actually, it's, it, it's, it's insane. You know, I, I, that's one of the most complaints that I get from people. You know, something happened, you know, with them. They had some type of interaction with law enforcement. Uh, they were not charged or the charges were dropped or they were found out guilty and then they can't get their gun back. And they're wanting, they, they're wanting to get their gun back. And, you know, and honestly, the first thing I asked them, I said, well, are you know, are you a Texas and U.S. Law Shield member? You know, did you get a legal plan? Did you come to class and take a class, you know, learn what the laws were? And did you sign up for the, you know, for the program and become a member of Texas and U.S. Law Shield? So that way an attorney can assist you in getting your gun back. Because that's what it's going to take. It's going to take you getting with an attorney to communicate with the police department and the DA in order to get that firearm back in, in, in a lot of cases. And so also today I want to talk about Glock auto seers or switches as they're calling them down in Houston. You know, Houston's got to come up with little nicknames. You know, they can't, you know, call it by the name that it is. They have to name, a, you know, call it something else, switches. So we're going to talk about switches or Glock auto seers. In other words, where you can put a device on your Glock and make it a full auto Glock. Just so you know, as a note, it is illegal to own, to possess, to purchase a switch or switches or auto seer. You have to be an SOT or Federal Firearms License Dealer in order to get one of those. A Federal Firearms License Dealer with an SOT. Well, we're going to talk with Edwin Walker about switches and Glock auto seers. We're going to talk to Edwin Walker at Texas U.S. Law Shield about the Department of Justice uh, Justice Department's new rule on safe and secure storage of firearms. And we're also going to talk about the forms of identification a licensee, you know, must obtain from a transfer E of a firearm, an individual that walks into a gun store that wants to purchase. So Edwin Walker, U.S. Texas and Law Shield, welcome to come and talk it, sir. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me, Mike. Yes, sir. Absolutely. absolutely. So Edwin, you know, I don't know. Let's, I guess let's start with the, uh, you threw a whole bunch of things out there, Mike. So. I know, I know. Let's start with the Justice Department off. first, because yeah, there's a lot of stuff in, in about the Justice Department. So what is this safe storage? You know, because a lot of people, I, I've had people call me about this. Hey, Mike, you know, what's going on here? Uh, am I going to have to provide a lock or a safe? Am I have to provide a gun safe to every you know, customer that purchases a firearm from me? Well, let me just say that the ATF, uh, the Department of Justice, has been very active. Um, they, they've they've started um, <clears throat> they've started really cranking up their activities uh, with putting out memos, sending out letters, uh, making proposed federal regulations, and this is probably in reaction to uh, you know the failed nomination of um, uh, Chipman, Chipworth, Chippendale, Chipwich, <laughs> Chip, whatever his ridiculous name is. Um, that his failed nomination. And so the Justice Department is probably in their back room saying, well, you know, if they think this is going to stop us, they got another thing coming. And they've really, really cranked up the, uh, the efforts to sort of act, you know, within the scope of their authority in terms of sending out mandates for FFLs, increasing audits, being hyper critical, uh, scrutinizing paperwork, et cetera, et cetera. And so 
what this most recent thing was uh, that they sent around just this week was they said, hey, we're going to propose a new regulation. And of course, anytime the ATF says we want a new regulation, uh, everybody in the gun communities, uh, you know, their, 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 their sensors should go up, which they should, because um, the ATF rarely provides good regulations. But it just so happens that in this case, uh, the regulation is not that onerous. Um, it has no implication on the actual gun owning community itself, uh, but it is a regulation that's going to be imposed on FFLs. And so what they're saying is, is that FFLs, like yourself, uh, must have available, which I'm assuming that means that they must have it in their inventory, available for purchase. So any FFLs that are worried about, is this going to cost me money? Am I going to have to give away stuff? You're not going to have to give away stuff, but you will have to invest in inventory if you don't already. Uh, gun storage devices and gun storage, uh, gun storage safes. Uh, now, what is interesting, of course, is that in their uh, in their memo that they released, in their press release, uh, they, of course, only talked about safes, uh, gun safes, big, large safes. And so that kind of left the implication that uh, this was going to be you know, quite the cost in inventory. However, what they're doing is that they're saying that they're going to use the definition that already exists in 18 U.S.C. 921 A34, which does say that a gun safety device is uh, any device that, when installed on a firearm is designed to prevent the firearm from being operated without first deactivating the device uh, or a device incorporated into the design of the firearm, firearm that is designed to prevent the operation of the firearm by anyone not having access to the device. So uh, basically, if an FFL just wants to provide uh, an assortment of gun locks or gun cables, um, you know, and, and a lot of manufacturers already supply those with their handguns, at least. Uh, so it shouldn't be uh, that much of a financial burden to for a gun dealer to begin supplying these. And what they will have to do is just another added piece of paperwork uh, that they will have to certify to the ATF that they have this stuff available for purchase. And of course, it's the ATF. It's more virtue signaling by the ATF. And the ATF can now say, look at us. Woohoo! We're all about gun safety. We've made these requirements now to try to increase gun safety. Uh, but it's at the end of the day, um, you know, maybe it actually helps some FFLs. Uh, I guess who it's really designed to go after, or maybe the kitchen table FFLs, the folks who uh, just have licenses so that they can uh, so that they can uh, work, you know, from their house and they don't actually have a storefront. And so, you know, it might be beneficial to folks, uh, you know, like yourselves that have FFLs that actually uh, operate, you know, storefront, inventory, packed uh, facilities. And it's going to it's it gives the, the ATF another another way of having to, you know, another way of shutting someone down if they're not providing this service. Yeah, certainly. Um, you know, every regulation does have, uh, you know, it does have a, a, a real kind of pain in the ass component of it that the, you have to comply with it. And of course, any regulation that's not complied with gives the ATF an avenue for 
really being ticky tack and coming after somebody if they want to. So, uh, so I imagine that there'll probably be a shelf in every gun store that has a bunch of dusty old gun locks on it, and uh, they can certify, hey. I've complied with the regulation by making gun locks available for purchase by my customers. And what what people don't realize is that, you know, every gun you get from a gun store, it comes with some type of lock already. You know, so it comes with like a, you know, like a cable lock or a trigger lock. So with this here, they're saying, hey, you need to be able to provide uh, a safe, you know, some type of safe, like a handgun safe or a lone gun safe. Be able you know, say that you offer this, that you sell this in the store with the you know it, it's it's offered to the customer the customer has an option to purchase these and you know the thing about it it just it really does kind of for people who want to look behind the curtain it does kind of show how this really is uh more about style than substance because you can get any normal average person can get a gun lock uh, anywhere get them at a big box store heck you can get there are a lot of police departments that give these things away for free and so uh people the acts people you know people have access to very uh low cost options when it comes to uh keeping their guns safe but which of course we all you know yeah nobody wants a shot kid nobody wants a you know somebody stealing their gun um, and then immediately using it. And so nobody's against locks or anything, but the ATF is being a little, they're, they're, they're being a little uh, um, flamboyant in their, uh, in this new proposed regulation. And like I said, it does add a new layer. It does add an additional document of paperwork that and FFLs will have to comply with. Okay. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk about those Glock auto sears or those switches, as they called those, called them in Houston, because there's a Houston police officer that was shot and killed uh, last year. And the person that shot and killed this officer used a Glock auto sear, what Houston calls it, a switch or switches. We come back from the break, we're going to talk about that, because what's come out of that is that now they're finding these switches in Houston, Texas, seems to be ground zero for these switches or Glock auto sears, you know, around the country. And they're buying them, and they're using them and adding them to firearms, and that's illegal. We're going to talk about that when we come back from the break. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Hi, this is Stephen Wolford, the Barefoot Defender. I get my global gun news from Michael Cargill at Come and Talk It. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Talk 13.7, the right choice. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. All right, so we're back and we're talking about, and we're, you know, the, the, the brunt of everything is this backdoor gun confiscation happening around the country here. And you need to be aware that if you're stopped by police, you have interaction with law enforcement, maybe the police come to your door, maybe your neighbors call the police, uh, you're stopped by law enforcement, all of a sudden, you have your gun on you. Uh, they charge you with some type of crime. You know, you get arrested, and then all of a sudden, you you get the you get those charges dismissed. You get them dropped. They confiscate your firearm as part of that arrest. It's very hard for you to get your gun back. We're going to talk about that with Edwin Walker as well. But I do want to switch gears a little bit and talk about these switches and these Glock auto sears. Uh, and so, to talk about those switches and Glock auto sears. There's a story out of Houston, Texas, where a Houston police officer. A senior officer was shot and killed, but when they were executing a warrant, you know, going to arrest this guy, this guy pulled out a Glock, which, which and the switch, what it does, it turns a, a semi-automatic handgun into an automatic. And this little device, it's illegal to actually own it and possess it. Illegal, illegal to own it, illegal to purchase it. I want to make that clear. And so you have to be a federal firearms license dealer. You have to have an SOT, a special occupations license, in order to get one of these. Okay. And then, you know, Edwin and I, I called Edwin up this week and said, Hey, Edwin, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, getting one of these things. You know, what do you think? Edwin's like, No, I wouldn't do it. So I'm probably not going to do it, Edwin. <laughs> well, that's a good, good idea. Uh, like and I said, I, oh, and I have to tell you, when you called me, when you called me back, I was dead sleep. By the way, you woke me up out of a dead sleep. So that's why I was kind of groggy and I, I couldn't get my thoughts it together. A, it was the middle of the afternoon. Mike. <laughs> I know. I know. I had to take a nap. I was exhausted. You're leaving the impression that I called you at midnight. <laughs> no, no, it was like, it you was like, four. Right. no, yes, it was during business hours. It was. It was, it was like four o'clock. It was. I was dead sleep. You're taking your siesta. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, the Glock Auto's here. I'll tell you what. 
um, there has been a rise in it. And of course, you had this very high profile, at least here in Houston. I tell you what, Ed, Edwin, take, let's play this video. We're going to play this video so people know exactly what story we're talking about. Take a listen All to right. this. The officers knocked on Dion Ledette's door early the morning of September 20th. His girlfriend came to the door. Where's Dion? Officers repeatedly asked him to come out. Dion opened fire, sending officers scrambling for cover. It was a gun battle inside and outside. Hey, we need to get bit out. We need to get bit out of there. Officer Bill Jeffrey was struck by the hail of gunfire, fell to the ground at the door. Sergeant Michael Vance hit too. He is seen crawling to cover as the firefight went on around him. This is what we're up against. And we need to do something about it. Investigators say Ledette was able to fire off more than 30 rounds in under 2.6 seconds. You can hear that rapid fire in the body cam footage. This tiny illegal switch that police say was on Ledette's gun turned his semi-automatic handgun into a machine gun. And it takes your breath away to see how a simple switch can create a pistol that fires rounds like that. It's a concerning trend law enforcement is seeing in our own backyard. But I'm telling you, Houston proper is ground zero. The ATF says these switches are being sold in alarming numbers. More than 100 seized this past year. Initially produced in China, now investigators say they're smuggled in through Mexico. We want to identify the source of these switches in, in this city. It's, it's out there, someone knows. HPD, ATF, and other partner agencies now working together to alert the public and focus on getting these auto switches off the street. This type of firepower in the wrong hands and bad actors like Ledette are incredibly dangerous. All right, so Edwin Walker, what in the world are these Glock switches, uh, these seer, auto seers? What is this? Is it legal? Can a regular citizen own these things? What What's going on here? Well, you know, Glock does make a full auto version of the Glock. It's That's a the, G18, um, right? Yeah, the 18. Um, and in fact, if one wants to see one in a movie, uh, I'm a big James Bond fan. Um, uh, my fiance hates James Bond movies, um, and she gets very irritated with me watching them. Uh, but in the, um, I believe it was in the beginning scene of Skyfall, is that the one where they're in Mexico City? Uh, the bad guy uh, uses a full auto Glock uh, complete with a Betamag. Um, which is quite the sight to see to go after uh, James Bond. So, you know, so the full auto Glocks do exist. Uh, I guess they're one of the more easier handguns to convert to full auto. Uh, but uh, these switches are illegal and there is absolutely no way a normal, regular citizen can have them. And the reason is, is because uh, there is a provision of the National Firearms Act uh, that says that unless a fully automatic firearm or machine gun, as we also call it, unless a machine gun was registered uh, with the ATF prior to May 19th, 1986, uh, then it cannot be retroactively registered. Uh, and therefore, that means that no civilian can own a machine gun that was manufactured after May 19th, 1986. And of course, every single one of these Glock auto sears were manufactured after that date. So even if you were to want to buy one, even if you 
filled out, you know, a form four uh, to send to the ATF to say, ATF, please let me have a Glock Auto Sear. Uh, <laughs> there is no way you're going to get your hands on one. And yeah, just the fact that you have it, you can't have it as a token. You can't have it as a little trinket. You can't put it on a chain and wear it around your neck and go, oh, this is my Glock Auto Sear. The mere possession of that little piece of metal is just like you had been caught with a fully unregistered machine gun. Oh, pretty prees with a cherry on top. Can I not, you know, get myself a Glock Auto C or a Switch? Yeah, they're not going to let you have it. All I want to do and is just so- have it for fun. I just want to go to the range and just experience what it's like. Oh, <laughs> that would that would be a big no-no. Um, now, you know, we can debate all day about the logic of that or the validity of that or how that in and of itself is an infringement of the Second Amendment. Um, that's a different argument entirely. Uh, I guess, you know, in the short amount of time that we have here today, we're just here to tell your listeners, absolutely 100% illegal. Don't even think about going and getting one uh, because yeah you'll get it and then the next day the atf will show up at your door because i'm sure they're tracking them uh heck if you were going on the internet uh the atf probably controls 80 percent of the websites that are actually selling these right just in the hopes of tracking people down who want to buy them just so you know it's the atf that's selling it to you <laughs> yeah just you so know. you know exactly so it's like that little meme that's very popular <laughs> with the ATF guy hiding behind the fence. You caught uh, you caught Zach off guard there. He's choking. <laughs> I think, yeah, I, think he, I, I think he was just getting ready to purchase one. <laughs> yeah. If you go to one of those websites, you might as well just say, not today, ATF. Not right? today. Oh wow. That's insane. All right. So no Glock Auto Sears. Don't do it. No Glock Auto Sears for you or anyone else. And we, we get that question all the time. We also get the question of, you know, I, I didn't mention this earlier, uh, Edwin. We talk about um, the Suppressor Act uh, for Texas. You know, I get people that walk to the gun store at least every two days and will ask us, you know, can I, you know, I, I hear we can, you know, we can own suppressors now in Texas. And I can, you know, as long as I have it stamped made in Texas, I can have one. I don't have to go through the NFA process. You know, what do you say to that, Edwin? Yeah, um, not true. However, what the state of Texas did, what the legislature did was they removed all the state laws regulating suppressors. And so uh, in theory, what they have set up is they have set up a scheme, um, and I'm using scheme in a a positive manner. I know the scheme mostly has a negative connotation, but they have set up a scheme whereby uh, it is an attempt to uh, challenge the NFA and their regulation of suppressors. And so uh, what they've done is that they said that if there's a manufacturer who wants to start making made in Texas suppressors, uh, then they are to contact the attorney general's office and the attorney general is mandated to file a declaratory judgment action in federal court, uh, basically challenging uh, the fact that people cannot make made in Texas suppressors, uh, challenging it under the Commerce Clause, under the Second Amendment, uh, under anything else you can think of. And so uh, there'll be this defense, I guess, in the hopes that it will get to the U.S. Supreme Court, who will say, look, the federal government doesn't have the authority to regulate a suppressor that is that does not constitute uh, a product of interstate commerce, because that's where all these regulations come from. You know, you may think that or the you know the the normal 
the, the regular citizen out there may think that, that, oh, it's the federal government and they have authority to regulate guns under the Second Amendment. That's what they're doing. No, what they're doing is, is that they have the authority to regulate commerce. And so if you look at all the federal laws with regard to firearms, it always has in there, uh, this is a law that only affects firearms that have that, that, that travel through or made, uh, that are made for or uh, have an effect on interstate commerce. And now that just happens to be every single firearm. So it's 100% of the firearms. Uh, but <clears throat> that's what this law is designed to challenge. So what it's done is a practical effect because they have removed all the state regulations for suppressors is that let's say that somebody does have an unregistered, untaxed suppressor. I'm not saying that you should because it is still illegal. However, if you have one of these and you have it in the front seat of your car and you're just driving along and you get stopped by, you know, by, you know, the local constable's office and they see that you have a suppressor in your car uh, and they call the DA and they're like, hey, I just caught this good old boy and he's got a suppressor in his car. Aren't these things illegal? The DA has no state law that it can charge you under. Now, the DA may be best friends with the U.S. Attorney's Office and may say, you know, hey, let me call the U.S. Attorney and see if they want you to take them into, you know, take them into, into custody for this. Uh, so they can turn you over to the U.S. Attorney's Office. Uh, they can contact the ATF about it. They can contact the U.S. Marshals. Uh, but the local constable who finds you with the suppressor uh, does not have any state authority uh, for which you to claim that you are in violation of state law. Uh, but you absolutely are still in violation of federal law. So it'll be interesting to see if we do see an uptick in uh, federal prosecutions of people having uh, unregistered suppressors in the event they want to go that way. And so that's what I, I basically just tell people that, you know, that's what the law is. Um, you know, I still have to advise them it's totally illegal under federal law, but there's no state law that regulates the possession of a suppressor anymore. All right. We come back from the break. And we're going to talk about what form of identification must a licensee obtain from a transfer E of a firearm. When you walk into the gun store, you know, what kind of ID do you have to give the gun store in order to walk out with that gun? This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. This is Coley on Noir, and you're listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. 
Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Austin's Talk, 1370. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. Man, did you know that Austin sees hundreds of sex offender cases removed from police officer supervision due to the funding of the police? So that means that the city of Austin, we have about we have hundreds of sex offenders out there that are not being monitored or supervised anymore because we have defunded the police. They don't have the resources to do it. Austin is one of the five safest big cities in the country. And we, we, when we, a little later on in the show, we're going to talk about that. It's safe for sex offenders. Yeah, because hide your wife, hide your kids. They're getting to everybody out there. So we're, we're going to talk about that a little later because that Austin, is, Texas, baby. It is crazy. And you need to be aware of this story. Uh, this is, we're talking over a hundred, you know, we're talking in the thousands, uh, the numbers here. Yeah. And, and it's, you need to be aware of this because they're not being monitored. Uh, but before we get to that story, I do want to talk about the, you know, what form of identification must a licensee obtain from a transferee of a firearm? Uh, cause we get this question a lot. I get this, I get it through email. I get it through social media. You know, Michael, I want to buy a gun. I'm new to Texas. You know, what do I need to provide you? I don't have my Texas driver's license because the department, you know, uh, the driver's license office, DPS, you know, there's, there's backed up. I can't get my license, my driver's license. I have a, you know, a uh, Kansas driver's license or, you know, whatever, a driver's license from another state, and I can't get it switched over. I've been here for X amount of months. I haven't gotten my vehicle switched over yet to my new registration of my vehicle, you know, what What can I provide you in order to purchase a firearm? So we're going to ask Edwin Walker, a principal attorney Texas U.S. Law Shield, this question. You know, Edwin, what form of identification must a licensee obtain from a transferee of a firearm? Well, it has to be a government ID with a photograph. And so that may put people, some people in a hardship, uh, but that's, that's what the law says it has to be. Um, and it's set forth in a definition in statute. Uh, it's a statute about identity theft, but it talks about what, you know, this, this for this ID that's acceptable. Uh, and the ATF says that you can use a combination of documents to establish somebody's lawful identity and their lawful residence. Uh, but as a practical effect, there's really no combination of documents that would work because all the stuff that's required is, you know, should be found on one ID. And that would be your photograph, your residency, your date of birth, uh, and um, your citizenship, I believe, or your residency. Uh, those all have to be available to uh, the person who is the licensee, the FFL, who is selling you your gun. Uh, now, of course, just not to confuse anybody, uh, that a person-to-person -person sale that is for non-commercial purposes, that is the person selling it is not engaged in the business of selling firearms, 
there is no ID in the state of Texas required. Uh, several states have created state laws that require it, uh, but as of now, the state of Texas does not require it. But if you're buying from an FFL, you must be prepared to show an ID that, that is valid, means it's not expired, it has your picture on it, it has your residence address, it has your date of birth on it. Okay. All right. So, all right. So what if, so if I have a driver's license from another state, Edwin, so I don't have a Texas driver's license, but I do have a driver's license that's not expired uh, from another state. And I now live in Texas. I haven't gotten my Texas driver's license yet. What are my other options? What additional forms? Of I mean, you really don't have any other options because like I said, it has to be a government issue. It's government or quasi government. I don't know what sort of quasi government issues IDs. I don't know if they're talking about like public libraries. Um, I've never, have you ever had anybody show up with a library card and want to buy a gun? No. So I, you know, I guess if the library is part of the city or the County, uh, like down here, like down here, it has to have something, something on it that shows your address. This shows your current address. Correct. And so if there were a library card that had your address on it, but most library cards don't have pictures. So if you had a picture ID, you somehow had a picture ID that didn't, that was issued by the government that didn't have an address, but then you also had another government ID that did in fact have an address on it, but did not have a picture, then in theory, you could use those together. So if I take my, if, if I take my passport, my U.S. passport has my picture on it. Uh, and it's current. And then I get maybe registration of my vehicle or what do you think? Or uh, Yeah, that's a that's a possibility. As long as the go as long as the document was produced by a governmental agency uh, and you can cobble these together. Uh, then you could get the FFL to accept it. Uh, but keep in mind that it's purely at the discretion of the FFL. Correct. So there may be those who are extra cautious and are like, look, I've had too much trouble with the ATF. I'm not risking anything on anything. Right. And so I only accept either driver's licenses or licenses to carry. Um, you know, you may have those. So it, it is unfortunate that this is kind of a side effect of what we've been dealing with for the last two years and that people are having to make appointments to go to the, uh, uh, you know, go to, to, to go to the DPS to get their driver's license, to get even ID cards in which the ID card was set up to be the most, you know, the easiest, most simplified form of state issued identification you can get. But, you know, if the state's saying, oh, you got to have an appointment to come and get one. Yeah, it's it's completely a hassle. Mm. Um, you know, you know what people can do? It's really easy. Uh, it's easy. It's fast to get. You can get it in less than 30 days. You can get your license to carry handgun. That was you took the words right out of my mouth is that you can. You It, it seems to me now that we have reached a point. Uh, as counterintuitive as it seems, that getting a license to carry is more efficient than getting a driver's license. Right. It's a lot faster. A lot faster. It has a picture on it. We'll have your current address on it, and you get it in less than 30 days. And you now have uh, don't have to wait around for the background check. No, exactly. You have, you have, there are so many benefits to getting the LTC that uh, that should be everybody's first option. Mm. Okay. All right. Hmm. 
I mean, I, you know, it just it just hit me right there. To be honest with you, I didn't even think about it. Uh, that is an option. Uh, man, you know what? In in Virginia, uh, there's a Virginia police identify a, a sh- they have a shopping cart killer. Did you know that, uh, Zach? A shopping cart killer. If you leave your shopping cart in the parking lot, then this guy kills you, or no, what? no, no, not exactly. So apparently, there's a guy that's killing people, and he's putting their bodies in the shopping cart. And they nicknamed the shopping cart killer. That's yes. creepy. Yeah, oh, very creepy. So the re- remains of a woman was found in a shopping cart this week in Washington D.C. was possibly positively identified by police officials on on Saturday. Uh, Sonia Champ, 40 years old, is believed to be the fifth victim in a number of murders carried out by a serial assailant dubbed the shopping cart killer. And another female uh, were positively identified by Virginia police as well on Friday. So Fairfax County Police Chief uh, Kevin Davis told reporters that DNA analysis was used to identify 29-year-old Cheyenne Brown of Washington, D.C. and 48-year-old Stephanie Harrison of Reddington, California who were found in Alexandria, Virginia, on December 15th of 2021. And so he prays on the weak, he prays on the vulnerable, and he does unspeakable things with his victims, according to what the police chief says. And the shopping cart killer does unspeakable things with his victims. He says it again. It's, you know, so uh, if you're in that area, you're going to D.C., you're going to visit someone in Washington, D.C., Northern Virginia there, be careful. There's a shopping cart killer. It's preying on, on the weak. So. Anthony Eugene Robinson is the suspected shopping cart killer. Oh, they have someone in mind, huh? Yep. All right. Well, he was arrested and charged in November for the murder of two other women is behind the killing, so we'll see if they can tag him with all the these other killings. All right, so Edwin, got a question for you. So we get questions about the, you know, the Firearms Carry Act and uh, the new Firearms Carry Act that, you know, that what we call the Texas Constitutional Carry that went into effect in Texas on September the 1st of 2021. And and I'm going to throw this at you, then cut you loose. But uh, you know what? We're running out of time. We have to go to commercial breaks. So I have to ask you on the other side there. Uh, but you know, we get questions about Texas Constitutional Carry as far as the punishment for the 30.05 signs in certain places. What are the punishments? You know, some of them, some places are felony. Some places are class A misdemeanors. Some places are class B misdemeanors. Some are class C misdemeanors. So, you know, it's confusing of the punishment. What are the punishments if I'm carrying without a license and I exercise my right on the Texas Constitution? What are some of the punishments and, you know, the different places and what are those places? For example, like 4603, um, you know, what are those prohibited places and what are the punishments for the prohibited places? We come back from the break. We're going to ask Edwin Walker that question. And then we're also going to talk about, we come back from the break, I want to discuss this um, Austin, in Austin, Texas. Uh, Austin sees hundreds of sex offenders, affects sex offender cases removed from the police officer's supervision. That means there are over 100 sex offenders in Austin, Texas, that are not being supervised currently right now because the police have been defunded. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Hey, this is AWR Hawkins, Bright Park News, and you're listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill.
Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. All right, so Austin sees hundreds of sex offender cases removed from police officer supervision. And so as of, you know, this is a story from Fox News, Fox News National. As of 2019, there were about 1,600 registered sex offenders in Austin, according to the state's sex offender database. There is no law preventing any of them from leaving near uh, living. I'm sorry, living near schools or other places where children tend to congregate, according to uh, one source here. About 650 of those cases were handled by officers who checked in on the registered sex offenders weekly to ensure they were that they were reported. You know, they reported themselves to be there. Man, this is crazy. You know. Three of those officers were sent back to patrol as a result of the decision to defund the police, including slashing three cadet classes as the police academy in August of 2020. Defunding the police force, the department, you know, has decided to cut the sex offender apprehension and, and registration unit. They call that SOAR. Now, those cases once handled by sworn police officers are now being monitored by civilian employees, including two who only work part time. The civilian monitors lack arrest authority and some question whether they are able to keep up with the increased caseload. Uh, this is crazy. You know, we're talking 1,600, over 1,600 sex offenders on the list there in Austin, Texas, and they're not being monitored properly. And so just some things to think about when you're going about your day in Austin, Texas, you're downtown, you think about your personal safety, questioning that person that's walking behind you, you might want to think twice about it. Just something to think about. Uh, my, there's a there's man, you know, two doors down from us, Zach, is Krav Maga. You know, so I, I yeah. oh yeah, so I teach people, you know, you learn some self defense skills. You know, because a gun should be your very last option. You know, uh, you may have to defend yourself. You know, maybe the person you don't know if the person is trying to kill you. You know, so you may not know, but you may have to defend yourself uh, until you can maybe even to get to your gun. So Krav Maga is two doors down from us, also around the corner from us in the same center there. Uh, they do Ma Thai. Muay Thai. Muay Thai. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can learn some Muay Thai. And then learn how to do some, you know, oh, in, out, in, out. Yeah, so definitely, you know, come on over there. Muay Thai or Krav in, out, in, out. Muay Thai or Krav Maga. <laughs> you try to get me in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I do want to talk about, um, uh, let's see here. We're going to, Edwin Walker. Edwin, Edward, you know, sir. Gun complication. Say, say it again. I thought you wanted to talk about backdoor gun confiscation. Okay, let's talk about that. Let's throw that in there first before we get to this other stuff. So the backdoor gun confiscation, Edwin. So, you know, people get arrested in, you know, in, in Texas here or other states or other cities. And they're arrested, they're charged, and their gun gets confiscated for one reason or the other. Police go to their house. Maybe it's a, a domestic disturbance or something like that. The gun is confiscated and maybe no charges are eventually filed or the charges are dropped. They're not convicted but they can't get their gun back from the police department. Well, you know, technically uh, the only type of charge that should result in your ability to possess firearms uh, is either a domestic violence charge, because there's usually going to be a protective order that goes along with that uh, or 
uh, an actual gun crime and they'll confiscate the firearm that is involved in the gun crime. They shouldn't confiscate anything else. However, a lot of judges are imposing as bond conditions, as general bond conditions, uh, without regard to the type of crime charged, uh, they, they impose these general ones like uh, you can't have alcohol and you can't use drugs and they always throw in there you can't have firearms. And so even though it may not be a firearm related offense, these judges, they kind of get firearm confiscation happy uh, and put it as a condition of your bond. And so that means that you do have to uh, turn those over to someone else. Otherwise, you do risk violating your bond and going and sitting in county jail to your charges adjudicated. Now, the most troubling types of con confiscation that we see whenever, you know, whenever we, we have incidences are situations that have nothing to do with the gun, but yet the gun somehow winds up in the hands of the police. Like if there's a car wreck, uh, let's say that there's a car wreck and you're carted off to the hospital and the, the police find the gun that's in your car, uh, you then, you know, they will take your gun and you'll, they'll take it of course for safekeeping. Mm. But then whenever you get out of the hospital and you go to the police station, you go, Hey, police station, uh, police, I need my gun back. Uh, they'll say, Oh no, 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 no. We're, we're not going to give you your gun because uh, the law says, uh, and this is really infuriating when they do this. Uh, the law says that we have to process it, that we have to, uh, you know, we have to go and we have to uh, do ballistics tests on it and we have to, you know, run it through the laws. So we have to process this and it can take weeks or weeks or months. There is no law that says that. Um, they, the, this is how the police bully people. They buffalo people. Uh, they, they, trick them into thinking that there is a law that they have to go through this process. I can't tell you how many police departments uh, that I have demanded to see this law or regulation that they claim that they are complying with. And usually whenever I do that, it gets me elevated to a supervisor who then without admitting that there is no law uh, will ultimately, uh, give the person their gun back within usually that day once I complain. But regular people, they've got no idea that this is available to them. They've got no idea that the police are just stonewalling them when they tell them that there's a process of, uh, of, uh, of, of testing every single gun that comes into their possession because there's not, there's no law that requires that. Um, so, yeah, we've been very successful in reobtaining firearms on, on the basis of people like that. Uh, also, it is, you are correct, that even if your case is dismissed, uh, a lot of police departments are extremely reluctant, if not defiant, in giving your gun back. And that, you, that usually requires a court order. And fortunately, um, it has been our experience that most judges uh, are kind of offended or ticked off by this. And uh, I have yet to have a situation where a judge has actively denied me the ability or forced me to get a mandamus or pursue some other extrajudicial uh, avenue in getting a firearm back from an individual who had their case dismissed. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then we do have but, a question. There's a question but, out there for you, Edwin. There does need to be, in my opinion, uh, even here in the state of Texas, there does need to be a state law that makes this process easier uh, and add some accountability 
and some deadlines with regard to police turning over firearms to people that were not used in crimes uh, or that the individual has been uh, cleared by the legal process. There needs to be that in the statute, mm. and it doesn't exist. No, I like that. I definitely like that. I like that. Definitely it needs to be in statute so that, yeah, there's a deadline where you get your gun back. The case has been dismissed. Drop Charges are dropped. Go ahead, Zach. Yeah, because in the one statute where it does kind of touch on it, um, which is inside Chapter 18 of the Texas Code of Criminal Procedure, you still have to go to a judge to get an order to have a gun released back to somebody. Mm -hmm. And that uh, that just seems to add a layer of bureaucracy that is unnecessary. So, Edwin, that uh, 80% ATF proposed rule change should be coming out soon. Do you have any idea or what's your best guess on what that's going to entail and say? Okay, with regard to what now? Uh, 80% lowers. Oh, the 80% lower rule. I don't know when it's going to – I don't know when it's officially going to come out. Um, And, in fact, I don't – it's one that I really have a hard, I really have a difficult time speculating on because it's something that I really hope doesn't happen um, because it would obviously spell the end of a long, you know, appreciated American tradition of being able to build your own uh, firearm. Uh, the only thing that I can think that they would do is that they're just going to start serializing them uh, like they do fully functioning firearms. Uh, which is ridiculous because there has to be a percentage. You can't just declare that every single, you know, aluminum or steel uh, blank is a potential firearm. That makes no that makes no sense. And so there does have to be a percentage where the government says, "Look, this is this has now gone from being a paperweight to being a firearm." Mm, okay. All right. All right, Edwin. And real quick, uh, Thomas has a question for you. Can my Indian tribal photo ID work uh, for an ID? It has my photo and tribal roster number on it. You know, (laughs) (laughs) I know that's a good one there. That's a real good one. And that's because they're that's because. Uh, you know, Indian reservations are, are are left to their own devices. And, and you know, time and time again, the courts have held that uh, at least states do not have jurisdiction over Indian land. And so it would be very interesting to see if the federal government can regulate that. But I believe that a tribal government is a legitimate form of government that is recognized by the United States. So my educated guess, I cannot say this with 100% certainty, but my educated guess is that, yes, your tribal ID is an acceptable form of uh, identification for firearms purchases. (laughs) All right. I I know I love to bring you those uh, hard questions, right? I I call you guys up, and it's always something hard. It's never something easy. Never something easy. (laughs) All right, we come back from the break. We're going to talk about the uh, Firearms Carry Act, the constitutional carry for Texas, and those punishments for people carrying in places that are prohibited places. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talkin'. This is Brittany Glaze, and I get my global gun news from Michael Cargill on Come and Talkin'.
Austin's Talk 1370. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. All right. So, Edwin, when it comes to constitutional carry for the state of Texas uh, and in those prohibited places that you cannot carry, if you don't have you, know, you don't have a license, can't carry in certain places. Oh, even if you have a license, you can't carry in those certain places. But, you know, for a constitutional carry, what's the punishment, Edwin? Sure. With regard to a constitutional carrier, uh, there are two statutes that they need to be aware of and that they should go ahead and read. Um, they are fairly complicated because they contain a lot of special specific provisions, a lot of qualifications, uh, some defenses. And those two statutes are the general trespass statute, which is 30.05. And then the prohibited place statute, which is 46.03. And so with regard to 30.05, this governs basically places that are not prohibited under 46.03. And so they're places that are generally open to the public. Um, keep in mind that any place that is absolutely 100% private property that you are not allowed to go through and uh, go to at all, um, that's a, you know, that's a different punishment. You, if you carry a weapon, um, don't go into those places at all. Those, usually those places are marked with no trespassing signs. Uh, but for places that are generally open to the public and the only prohibition is that you simply cannot go in there with a firearm, uh, those are generally private property places. Um, <clears throat> That punishment is uh, a Class C misdemeanor with a fine of $200 uh, if the prohibition is by signage and they catch you on there. Uh, now the, the, uh, the, the provision increases, the punishment increases to a Class A in the event that you're actually then told, you're given individual notice. Uh, see, the sign is what we consider to be constructive notice. You should have seen it. Uh, it's there, it's visible, uh, but, you know, it's not necessary to prove that you personally saw it or that you knew it, just the fact that it was there and it's generally known to be visible, uh, that's constructive notice, uh, but if you are given actual notice, uh, which means somebody comes up and tells you, somebody says, didn't you see our sign, or somebody hands you a little, another little tiny sign that's, you know, has the language on it, uh, and you refuse to depart, then the punishment jumps up to a class A misdemeanor. And of course, class A misdemeanor is very serious. Um, it contains a punishment up to a $4,000 fine and up to a year in the county jail if you are found, if you are convicted of that. So it is kind of serious. Now, of course, going into prohibited places, that's a much, much more serious offense uh, because most of the places on the list contained in 4603 are felony places, which means that you will be charged with a third degree felony for entering these places. And so what you need to do, there's 14 places, uh, plus there's a couple of provisions with regard to, to campus carry. Uh, you should make yourself aware of these places and you should not go on these places. Now, I will say that there are a couple of these that are just a class A misdemeanor. And so those would include um, <clears throat> those would include uh, uh, high school collegiate, uh, high school collegiate professional sporting events, um, 
Those would also include a civil commitment facility, uh, hospital, amusement parks. Uh, those are still, uh, most campus carry violations are just misdemeanors. Um, but, you know, in these situations, you don't want to be arrested and charged with those either. Okay. All right. So, yes. now, of course, uh, touching on um, one of your favorite subjects, uh, one of the uh, one of the interesting kind of uh, uh, juxtapositions that we have in the carry law, and of course a motivation for somebody to go get their license to carry is the meeting of the governmental entity, the city council meeting. Uh, and two buddies walk into a city council meeting, both of them are carrying handguns. Uh, one of them has a license to carry. The other one does not have a license to carry. The individual who has the license to carry can sit right there in the front row and stare down the anti-gun mayor and say, guess what, mayor, there's not a thing you can do to me sitting here on the front row with my handgun, whereas his friend who does not have a license will be arrested and charged with a felony. Mm. Wow. So. Yeah, we. I'm, I'm. I'm waiting for the Austin City Council to start their, I guess, have their, their city council meetings where we can go in and you know pack the house there, and and do a gun day. <laughs> they will not care for that at all. <laughs> no, they won't. More power to you. <laughs> doing that. So we'll see what happens. All right. So all right. All right. And let me make sure I don't have any other questions for you, Edwin. I think that's it. Yes. All right. Good. All right, man, it, seems Edwin, like an, it seems like an episode of Stump the Lawyer. I know, I know, I know. And I apologize because I, I do have a tendency of asking you those hard questions. And I shouldn't be stumped on any of these. Yeah, it's, it, it, yeah I appreciate it. I really appreciate you coming on at moment's notice and, and answer these questions for us because it, it gets crazy. You know, these things get thrown at us and it's like, oh, my goodness, you know, yes. what do we do? You know, what do I say? Although, yeah, I will have to say, though, that, uh, that the, the any questions involving firearms – and Indian law or Indian reservations, that is a different world entirely mm. uh, because they are, they're governed by two different worlds. It's, it literally is living under two forms of government, two systems of government. Mm. And so, uh, or three, if you want to include, you know, if you want to say federal government, state government, and Indian tribal government, uh, and that, those issues can get very complex. Mm. Mm. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. Thank you, Edwin Walker, principal attorney with Texas and U.S. Law Shield. Appreciate you coming on and laying all that stuff out for us. Thanks for having me, Michael. Yes, sir. Absolutely. You have a wonderful rest of your weekend. All right. So I want to talk about the um, Remington. If you guys know this, Remington's doing a recall where they are recalling quite a few firearms. So the Fifth Circuit. Uh, let's see here. Da 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 da. Did that come up? Something came up. Something didn't come up right. Remington. There we go. Oh, something's happening to my my page here. I'm not finding Remington. Yeah, I hope you find it because it's not coming up to me, coming up for me for some reason. There's right. a Remington recall? Yeah, there's a Remington recall. And they're recalling quite a few things here. I'll have it here in a second. Uh, boom, there we go. All right, so, yes, you know what? Is it the Remington 700? Yeah. The triggers? Yeah. All right, so, let's see. Uh, 
Before we get to, I do want to talk about this question of whether Louisiana statute barred design defect claim against firearms makers certified the state Supreme Court. So basically, uh, the um, the claimant, someone is arguing that uh, the allowing design defect claims against firearm manufacturers would be more consistent with legislature intent of the statute. Uh, the U.S. Court of Appeals in the Fifth Circuit has certified to Louisiana's highest court the question of whether uh, certain sections of the Louisiana law uh, will allow, you know, basically Louisiana to sue uh, manufacturers of firearms. Uh, this is a case that's coming out of the Fifth Circuit that we're going to have to take a look at and, and watch. You guys definitely want to, you know, pay attention to that. There are a lot of good cases coming out of the Fifth Circuit. Um, the bump stock case is also in the Fifth Circuit. Uh, and we hope to have, have that case heard by the entire court. Um, so we're going to pay attention to those few cases there. Man, that recall, I don't know what happened to the recall. I, I lost it. I, I totally lost it. I don't know what happened to it. Uh, yeah, I, I totally lost it. I know the last one they did was uh, Remington 700 triggers. Yeah. But that was a little while back, I believe. Yeah, I totally lost it. I don't. I don't know what I did with it. You know, I had it here. Um, I will. We'll we'll cover it the next show. We'll talk about it then. Man, Zach, what are you gonna do this week? This week? Yeah. What are you gonna do? What's on this on the plan? There. You 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 did a little video last week. Can you talk about it? A little video last week? Yeah. You did like a little show, a little video, a little. Uh, oh yes. How yes, can you uh, forget that? You got thirty <laughs> seconds. You better tell me. Not a video. It's more a uh, promotion. A uh, photo shoot for a upcoming product, which has not been unveiled yet. Oh, so you can't talk about it? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you can't even, okay. All right, fine. We'll find out. We'll find out later. <laughs> but it's very interesting and it's, uh, it is very, uh, has a lot of ingenuity okay. involved in it. All right. Oh, goodness. Mm -hmm. Okay. All the little secrets there. That's secrets, secrets, secrets. You guys are nail <laughs> tight over there. All right. Not a problem. All right. So we'll find out what that is later on down the road. All right, um, man, uh, this this week uh, I, I did get someone from uh, Vice News reached out to me. They wanted me to do this auto seer story, and I think I'm going to turn it down. You know, I'm not going to do it. They want you to take the heat for that, huh? Yeah, wow. so I'm going to turn it down. I, you know, I think my New Year's resolution is do I'm going to do less news stories, you know, this year. I think I'm going to focus a lot less news, you know. You're a busy man when it comes to news. Yeah, and I, I think I need to focus more on family and a lot and a little less news. Start. I'm going to start turning down some interviews. So I'm going to turn them down, and yeah, they're going to be upset. But yeah, we'll turn down Vice News. New year, new you. New year, new you. <laughs> that's right. Be, be you, boo-boo. So you make your New Year's resolution. Now, that's my New Year's resolution. What's yours? You got one? Oh, just be more present. Be more present? Mm -hmm. Be best. Be best. <laughs> <laughs> As always, more guns equals less crime. You go out there and you buy yourself a gun. You've been listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 